Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Transgender you can find more Joy Cast and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. Weekly and hosted by Joy 94.9. Transgender people come from every region around the world, racial and ethnic backgrounds, and faith communities. Chances are that you've met a transgender person, even if you don't know it. But there are still many misconceptions about trans people. And as a transgender person, there are a lot of questions asked of us every day. What's this about using they as a pronoun? Isn't letting a trans person use my bathroom dangerous? Do I refer to you as he, she, it or they? So what's your real name? Are you a drag queen? What's the difference between sex and gender and why does it matter so much? Did you have the operation? What is stealth? How does someone know they are transgender? Really random questions. Are you sure you're not just super gay? You must be a transvestite. What bathroom do you use? Will I be able to have sex? What does cis mean? This is Transgender Point of View on Joy 94.9. Welcome back to Transpiry on Joy 94.9. This is Anastasia. On the phone with me, I have Dr. Matteo uh, from Deakin University with me here today. Um, hi, Matteo. How are you? Hello, Anastasia. I'm very good. How are you? I'm very well. Um, it's um, it's so unreal because I was at the Chris launch party with you. Um, was it last week? It was last Friday, I think. Yes, exactly. It was. Um, thank and, you for uh, coming. No, thank you for inviting me. And the thing is, like, um, I it was such a bummer that I couldn't stay a bit longer. Um, like so many amazing faces, and like you know, you guys were you know, so, like social changes as well. And, you know, um, I wish I could stay, but um, I had other events coming up as well um, on the same day. So, yeah, well, thank you. I'm, for Yeah, thank I'm you. I'm sure there will be a lot of opportunities for collaboration with Chris. Yes. So, Matteo, um, before we talk about Chris and, and the, um, the important work you guys have been doing, um, would you be able to introduce a bit about yourself to the audience? Yes, uh, thank you, Anastasia. My name is Matteo Vergani. Um, I am a political psychologist, political sociologist by training. And I have been studying. Uh, why do you laugh? I oh, know. It's just like <laughs> I love the whole political thing because, like, that's how we get along so well. <laughs> yes. Well, this is what my PhD says. So I have to. I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, so I am interested in and I have been studying the reasons why people engage in violence, different types of violence yeah. over the years, political violence. And now I am more focused on hate crime. Oh, very, very appropriate in this day and time, don't you think? <laughs> and unfortunately, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so, Matteo, um, you are uh, you were part of Chris sort of um, forming team, you know, the whole Chris concept. So what does Chris stand for? So Chris is the Center for Resilient and Inclusive Societies. And it's a independent, nonpartisan think tank. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was born from a collaboration between universities and communities uh, to try to understand uh, what are the reasons why 
social cohesions can be uh, challenged mm -hmm. in our society and how to develop resilience. So these are big words, but basically we look at racism, discrimination, violent extremism across a, a diverse range of ideologies. We look at hate speech and other types of social harms. Okay. Um, in, and we try to do research that is policy oriented. So we try to give practical tools to the government to try to solve and address the challenges. Yep, so it's very important, especially in this day and age. I, I just cannot address, um, you know, I can just I just cannot address the issue enough. You know, um, it's um it's, it's quite and as much as I, we as um we have seen a lot of progression in the society, um at the same time there are so like tragic news all around the globe and um they tend to um be targeted at um very vulnerable and marginalized group. Um, Absolutely, but still in our societies, <laughs> maybe in Australia or in Victoria, where we do not see as much political violence as we see from other countries like the United States. Still, there are high levels of prejudice, hostility towards people who look or feel or are different or yeah. hatred. So, and this is what we need to address. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you a fairly personal question here. Um, I know that you, you know, both of us, like we did not come from Australia. Um, so um, is there a reason why um, you actually put your heart and soul into this project? I think, yes, I have always been, you know, uh, interested in understanding why people hate. Okay. Uh, I have been, yes, uh, as all migrants, as all people with an accent, I have been myself the the object <laughs> the target of hate sometimes uh, in australia in these years but yes look we i think human beings unfortunately uh hate what they don't know so yeah. we need to find ways to to increase knowledge in others about ourselves about yeah. other groups yeah. and find ways to to live together in a better way Mm. What I really appreciated the most at at your launching party, your launching conference, was that you actually invited um, a few, like you know, an auntie from the uh, from the indigenous population of Australia, and also you know um, the second generation of indigenous as well. Um, I really appreciate that. And could you please tell me how important or how pivotal that sort of moment sort of shape the way politicians because there were a lot of polit politicians in the room um to perceive human rights as well as you know um solving hate crimes in general oh, absolutely look we we are really uh we, we think it's really important to uh to to share uh you know the burden of changing society with everyone we have to collaborate with communities and our research has to be shaped by communities, co-designed by communities yeah. and relevant, useful to communities. So this is where we start and this is where we end. Okay. We want to, uh, to work with all people and groups that are more likely to face victimization yeah. and the, our Aboriginal communities are definitely high on that list. Mm. Yeah, um, and... Um 
for me, um, I think um, um, at the very beginning of um, Chris, I passed you a note um, talking about like the lack of education. Um, you know, and how um, we, uh, especially in the Western world, we constantly whitewashed history. Um, how do you think education or like a reintroduction of real history would help in, you know, um, dissolving this global um, um, epidemic you know, of hate crime in, in general? It would help massively. Research shows that people who hate are usually ignorant of the group who uh, they dislike mm. so people who know less about for example uh, lgbtiq plus groups or trans are the ones who hate actually trans people and lgbtiq plus groups mm. so people who hate aboriginal people are the ones who you know know nothing about them so by uh, building a new knowledge a new awareness uh, among the the australian population about all the groups that face victimization, mm -hmm. we hope to re to increase knowledge and, as a consequence, reduce hate. Mm. So, um, I I mean, for me, um, <laughs> it was um, it, it was um, a turning point in my life, really, to be part of um, that particular program, you know, of Chris, and um, so it just with your findings, and I still remember. Um, at the seminar, the, the the very first seminar you guys were um, were hosting, um, you talk about like how most hate crime is perpetrated by, you know, um, by an intimate partner or um, the ones who have very close relationship with the victims. Would, would you be able to elaborate more on that? Yes. Look, it, it depends on the on the victim groups. So we know, for example, that um, in case of certain groups, like people living with disabilities, for example, this is the the, the most clear example. Hate and, and violence is indeed perpetrated by people who know them. Even mm. uh, crimes and hate against the elders. Mm. Most of the times, it's people in their families or their carers. Who perpetrates mm. the, the hate in other cases of other groups like for example uh, religious racial minorities and unfortunately uh, as well lgbtiq Q plus groups there is a lot of uh, opportunistic hate crime mm. uh, committed by uh, strangers yeah. who attack people uh, because of their appearance yeah. or because they look different so and and most of the times it's not even planned it's something we call it opportunistic because uh it it happens that there is the opportunity to act and something happens some incident happened so uh that is is more frequent among as we said other groups so it really depends on on the group that is victimized yeah so um and 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 what really um sort of baffled me in that moment was that hang on if they were so close to the victims, I like. Would you expect them to be more understanding rather than you know having all these sort of discriminatory behavior towards the victim? Though I wouldn't, because uh, incidents of hate happen when there is a imbalance of power. So mm. when a person has more power uh, on, upon another person, so in that type of relationship, it is sometimes uh, some toxic. Um, interaction uh, develops and uh, people can you know unleash uh, anger 
in an uncontrolled manner leading to, to incidents of hate. Mm. Okay. So usually this is the dynamic that happens, especially when uh, there are people who know each other and there is an incident. Yeah. Well, um, just a bit of psychology here. Do you think because they have developed such a, a, a close and intimate bond with the victim, therefore there would be certain expectation or projection they would have on, you know, the minority identifying last one, I mean, loved ones. Do you think so? Look, it's, it's protection is really difficult because, for example, it starts from the victim. So many times in most of the cases, and this is what the research is saying, the victim itself is yeah. not aware of their rights, is not aware of being a victim of yeah. a illegal maybe behavior or something that is unjust. Yeah. So the victim doesn't know that what happens is unjust and it's yeah. an incident of hate. And the victim doesn't know how to report mm. and what are the mechanism to whom, and yeah. when, where. And so it's, it's, this is the, the, the main barrier that people experience, especially in, in the most vulnerable communities, yeah. about, you know, uh, reporting hate and addressing hate. So, um, you are saying there's like a, a, like an extreme underreport of domestic abuse or violence, um, right? There is ex extreme underreporting, yes, of domestic abuse and violence, but hate crime in general, mm. there is massive underreporting, as far as we know, because actually, we don't have much data. So one of the main initiatives that we are undertaking as Chris yeah. is to try to develop uh, capacities to collect better data and better reports yeah. uh, of incidents of hate in Victoria mm. to be able to, of course, understand the phenomenon from a statistical point of view, yeah. but also, and most importantly, to support victims through the process of obtaining justice. Okay, well, speaking of domestic violence, recently in the parliament, um, um, recently in the parliament, somebody, an MP, um, spoke about how women lie about domestic violence oh, and abuse. Okay. Well, <laughs> where are you yes. standing on this? Well, of course, where do, do you think I stand? I stand with the victims of, of domestic violence, of course. I and stand with um, women, yes. Yeah, but then at the same time, it's a it's a female member of the parliament who said that as well. Um, I, 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 and being a psychologist yourself, I wonder, like, if you would be able to give an explanation to such behavior. Oh, look, it's the, one of the most powerful uh, triggers of our behavior and thinking is our personality and our ideology. Mm. We have found that people, uh, when they have certain ideological convictions, they totally disregard any type of evidence in front of them. Yeah. And even correcting them and showing evidence doesn't work because people want to cling to their worldviews to their ideologies and they they want no, no matter what so i am totally not surprised by, by this i mean people totally disregard facts uh, that are not consistent with their worldviews and mm -hmm. this looks like a typical example yeah because it's just for me i am I'm, I'm 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 just shocked of the of the whole of the amount of you know internalized misogyny and internalized 
sort of your sexy term as well. Uh, for me, like I, I just can never understand. I have grown to be a woman, and I can never understand a woman hating other women. You know, <laughs> so what really, really um, stayed in my mind was that the head of your department said that um, the majority of Anglo uh, population um, felt like they were left out when all these social progression has been made. And it's, it, it stuck with me. Would you be able to explain further on that comment or that statement? Yes. Well, I think the research of Professor Paul Thomas uh, was actually looks at how uh, people, especially young people mm. uh, from white communities in, um, in the UK, especially communities uh, with a low socioeconomic background yeah. perceived, because we are talking about perception, perception, which is very important, of course, perception, perceived that they are left out, perceived that multiculturalism uh, damaged them somehow. So uh, Paul was making an, uh, examples uh, of young people he interviewed yeah. who live in disadvantaged areas um, at the, uh, in the suburbs near Manchester. Yeah. And they say that some interviews he collected, some uh, young people said, well, actually, you know, there are centers for people who belong to minority groups, like center for, for people from Bangladesh, for, to make an example, yeah. or Pakistanis. But there are no uh, centers for white people, so they are they they perceive that they have less services and less resources mm. and less support. So this perception is extremely dangerous mm. because right wing uh, populists and uh, far right extremists use this perception to um, recruit these young people into far-right groups yeah. uh, because basically they underline, they reinforce this perception of being victimized, of being left out. And they use these to channel anger against yeah. other minority groups and against the government. So this is a very dangerous uh, phenomenon that is occurring. And this is something that we need to keep in mind when we want to make uh, a better society and a more inclusive society. All right. Well, so you just mentioned how um, you should mention how um, you know um, political. Um, so the um, the right wing populists and the extreme um, right wings um, sort of take advantage of these youth. But I was, uh, but I wonder how m many of these young perception is actually influenced by political agenda which has been pre-established and sort of you know, oh. indoctrinated to them. Yeah, well, Anastasia, when we say right-wing populists, I'm thinking about, um, you know, in the UK, uh, exactly Nigel Farage and the Brexit movement, which was exactly uh, underlining the perception of white people of being victimized and of being, um, you know, disadvantaged. Yeah. Uh, and this is how that specific moment in the UK yeah. and that referendum was 
you know, uh, exploited by right-wing populists to obtain the Brexit. Mm. It, the election of Donald Trump was not very different in the end. Yep. Donald Trump played on the same perception of uh, white communities in, in, the, in the United States of feeling left out. Yeah of you know losing power and privilege so that's exactly the point so yes you are totally right mainstream politicians uh, exploit that feeling that perception as well as far-right extremist groups do how of course they do it in different ways but yeah. they exploit the same perception what i try to understand and i wonder if you can answer this question through your research is that for me, having lived in Australia, a very Anglo-centric um, country, and I bet it's the same in the UK, um, how, how could all these Caucasian um, youth believe that their rights have been taken away from them? How, like, how is that possible? Yes, well, I think uh, for some of them, it's just a perception because they live in a privileged position uh, in respect to other groups uh, that uh, you know are part of the population for others uh, it is not because it's people with social low social economic background and low maybe opportun- job opportunities if we look especially at europe or uh, the united states there are high level of unemployment uh, so some of their grievances are real they need services, social services, they need social support as much as other, uh, you know, communities and groups that live in the same disadvantaged conditions. So the problem is that they perceive that this condition of disadvantaged, which is, which is real, is, um, you know, caused by racial problems. This is how, when I when I was saying before that uh, right wing extremists sometimes channel this perception of victimization towards the wrong objective, which is you know giving an explanation uh, based on race uh, to to all the, the the experiences of discrimination and disadvantage that these people are living. This is the problem. Yeah. So the problem is that uh, they they channel their anger and their grievance towards the wrong the wrong object which is race yeah okay that's very interesting well now to actually bring it back to joy 94.9 you know where i think we're like the only lgbtiq state radio station in the southern hemisphere um so with the rainbow community through your findings and research what would be the most common crimes um, targeted towards us? Yes, well, uh, there are many types of crimes. So when we think about crimes, uh, we have to uh, focus on serious incidents. So, uh, for example, the, uh, the LGBTIQ plus uh, communities and, and, and transphobic incidents are sometimes uh, you know, discriminatory coverage or hate speech or, uh, you know, verbal abuse that do not constitute a crime under current legislation. So we cannot call them hate crimes. They are hate incidents, incidents of hate, and they are very, uh, very uh, important, and we need to address and prevent them, 
of course. Mm. Uh, but we, we cannot call them hate crime because a crime is a criminal offense. So when we talk about hate crimes, uh, assaults or indirect assaults using objects, so having uh, things thrown at people or property damage, for example, damaging the property of uh, LGBTIQ plus groups or putting, uh, for example, uh, graffitis, so which is another form of damage, transphobic graffitis, for example, those are examples of hate crimes. Examples of hate incidents can be stickers or posters or sometimes emails or social media posts mm. or even gestures, rude gestures. Uh, they are not, they do not constitute a crime in Victoria, but they still are very concerning and we think that they have to be reported. So, yeah. Okay. Yes, I do agree with you because for me, you know, a graffiti can be erased, um, you know, and like a physical wounds can be healed, but emotional and mental scars are the ones you really struggle to get rid of and it does stay with you for your entire life. Um, so what else can we do to really um, talk more about these issues about mental health and the importance of reporting, um, you know, um, hateful languages and all that um, to, you know, to help with your study. Absolutely. Look, uh, for example, we are doing a uh, study to understand what are the barriers mm. that some people face to, to report incidents of hate. So if you, uh, if there is uh, anyone listening who is interested in participating in this study, uh, they can send me an email. Yeah. Uh, so my email is Matteo, my name, M-A-T-T-O-E-O, dot Vergani, my surname, V-E-R-G-A-N-I, at Deakin, the university, dot uh, edu, dot au. So this is, uh, for example, one piece of research that we are doing. But today, what everyone can do is uh, to, to lodge a, a complaint to the um, Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission. So you can, people can call 1300292153. So I repeat, the number of the commission is 1300292153. Or they can send an email to uh, inquiries at veohrc.vic.gov.au. Uh, or they can go simply to the website of the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission and lodge a complaint, which is when people perceive that they uh, they have, for example, been discriminated, uh, and it can happen in accommodation, in clubs, in education, in employment, wherever, in sport, in local government, uh, they can lodge a complaint, or if they have questions about whether something is discrimination or not, or if they have any, you know, they want information about what are their rights, absolutely get in touch with the commission and they will be very happy to, to support and to guide people who experience uh, those type of incidents. Well, thank you, Matteo, for all these wonderful details. Um, on this note, um, personally, um, you know, because I've been involved with the trans community for a while now, and I have experienced things myself. What I have noticed is that somehow we have lost trust in authorities. Uh, 
What would be other ways for you to encourage individuals to be uh, to speak up and to voice out um, their experience of harassment and abuse? Look, this is a very legitimate concern, and we know for a fact that, for example, people who have reported complaints to the police have not been treated fairly, mm. and people who have reported maybe to other institutions have had very bad experiences. So I think if, if you feel that you can do it, it is important to engage in this type of activities that we are, for example, um, doing through Chris. So, uh, as you say, participate in the research that we are doing, helping us to understand how can we make this better. Mm. Uh, we are also exploring with um, LGBTIQ plus communities how to create a third party reporting system where, uh, you know, maybe trans who are victim of discrimination and hate can report to community organizations instead of authorities. This is something we are working on. It is not ready yet. Yeah. But I can tell you that, for example, the Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission, even though it's a governmental agency, they are very, uh, very well trained and they, they, they uh, are able to empathize and, and, and establish a positive relationship with people uh, reporting complaints. Yeah. So at the at the seminar, um, the first seminar, there were um, Victoria police um, present as well as federal police present. So to the audience out there, if you struggle, um, you know, with authority or you still are shaking from the accident you have to go through. Um, please feel free and safe to contact um, GLOW, like, you know, I think the Gay and Lesbian um, Police um, Program. Um, and uh, or you can message us on transpov at joy.org.au and then we can help you forward your complaint or report to the right authorities. Um, Matteo, before I wrap up our interview, there's something I'd like to ask you in, um, about in the emails, we've been sort of corresponding each other. There's a book called How Terrorism Changes Us. Would you be able to talk more about that? Yes, well, it was my uh, my book. I published it last year. And it's, it's about, um, you know, trying to understand how fear of terrorism is changing our society. So uh, what I found from research conducted in Australia, in the United States and in Europe, is that we see uh, people who are more, uh, who, who perceived to be more threatened, who feel more threatened by terrorism, regardless of whether there is a real threat or not. But mm. people who feel they are threatened, they increase support for um, draconian pol for uh, policies that um, restrict the liberties of people, uh, uh, especially they, they can exa exacerbate, they can make differences between uh, people of different, uh, of different re religious groups and different ideological groups uh, wider, and it erodes trust between immigrants and societies. So it's making our society uh, a more uh, you know, disconnected place where groups don't talk anymore to each other. I think the, the, the extreme example are the United States now, where people of different ethnic backgrounds, 
and you know skin colors and ideologies do not talk to each other and are more and more uh, polarized and in conflict so this is slowly happening in many other contexts and fear of terrorism is one of the uh, reasons why people uh, are pulled apart Okay, so from what you were saying, what do you think? Like, so should we have faith in, um, you know, like in, in, in a third figure at all? Or should we just have m more faith in humanity? I think we need more faith in humanity and we need to start collaborating and working together. People of different religions, people of different skin colors, mm. people of different sexualities and genders. We need to... to you know, come together in a room and start talking and figuring things out. Mm. Well, thank you, Dr. Matteo Rigani. Um, once again, you are listening to Transpiry on Joy 94.9. This is Anastasia with Dr. Matteo Rigani. Um, please contact um, matteo.rigani at deacon.edu.au if you would like to help, um, you know, um, the centre of... Um, of resilience and inclusive societies with their research. And thank you very much. Thank you for your time, Matteo. Thank you, Anastasia. It was a great pleasure and thank you for, to all the listeners. All right. Thank you. And we will see you next week. Ciao. Ciao. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.